Hello again, friends. Pastor Lowell here with the Return to Rome series. This is number 28. Let's have a prayer as we begin. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what we have been able to study and learn as we've considered end-time events in the light of Bible prophecy as we continue looking at this issue of women's ordination. Teach us the truth from your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We are in section 5, Return to Rome, a common enemy, when God's people are hated. And we've been looking at this issue of women's ordination in the context of fundamentalism, which the Pope says is the enemy of the world, one of the enemies of the world. Fundamentalism upholds belief in the strict, literal interpretation of Scripture. So we've been looking at what the Scriptures literally say about women and ministry, headship in the church, and those types of issues. And we ended last time with 1 Corinthians 14, 34-37, where Paul said, Let your women keep silence in the churches, for it is not permitted unto them to speak. They are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. And we were asking, well, what law is that? Let me read from the from Gill's commentary on this particular passage, which says, It was not allowed by God that they, that's women, should speak in any authoritative manner in the church, nor was it suffered in the churches of Christ nor was it admitted or allowed in the Jewish synagogue. So Gill's commentary is explaining what this means here in 1 Corinthians 14, verses 34 to 37. Let your women keep silence in the churches, or not to speak in an authoritative manner, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, that means in in an authoritative way, but they are commanded to be under obedience, as also saith the law. Let me read now from the SDA Bible Commentary. This is our own commentary on this passage. It says, The Scriptures teach that on account of her part in the fall of man, woman has been assigned by God to a position of subordination to her husband. See Genesis 3, 6 and 16, Ephesians 5, 22 to 24, 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, Titus 2, 5, and 1 Peter 3, 1, 5 and 6. All those texts are right here in the commentary on this passage, the SDA Bible commentary. Reading on, it says, Owing to the change in his nature by the entrance of sin into his experience, The harmonious life that man had previously known was brought to an end. No longer was it practical for a husband and wife to have equal authority in the leadership of the home. And God chose to place upon man the major responsibility of making decisions and instructing his family. See Patriarchs and Prophets, page 58 and 9. That's what our own Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary says about this passage. Somebody once made a little rhyme on this issue. Francis Corliss, see, this was his rhyme. Ill thrives the hapless family that shows a cock that's silent and a hen that crows. 
I know not which live most unnatural lives, obeying husbands or commanding wives. <laughs> I thought that was a cute little poem on this issue. So Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 14 that women are not to speak in an authoritative manner in church. Let me read now another passage from Paul. This is Ephesians 5, 22 through 24. This is our 10th. No, this is our 11th scripture on the no side of this question of women's ordination. Ephesians 5, 22 to 24, Paul says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. I know the women's ordination people, they don't like that particular verse. Wives submit. <laughs> they don't like to submit. Therefore, reading on, the Bible says, Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be, be subject, that is, to their own husbands in everything. That was Ephesians 5, 22-24. Now let me move to another text. This is our 12th text on the no side of this issue of women's ordination. Ephesians 5, verse 33, where Paul says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Hmm. Let's go now to another text from Paul. This is, what is this now, our uh, 10, 11, 12, 13th text on, on the no side of this issue. Colossians 3, verses 18 and 19. Paul says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. I might add right here that when a husband loves his wife, truly loves his wife, as Christ loves the church, then it's much easier for the wife to submit to her husband. It's hard for a wife to submit to an unlovely husband. So you can see there must be a balance in all of this. When the husbands love their wives, then it's easy for them, easier for wives to submit to their husbands. The word submit in the Greek means to subordinate, to obey, to be under obedience, put under, subdue unto, subject, subjection, submit self unto. And this is the very thing that the women's ordination movement is rebelling against. Women don't want to submit to men. There are men that would like women to have the headship. They want to submit women, which you can see is contrary to the Bible order. Moving now to our 14th text, this is from 1 Timothy 2, 11 to 15. 1 Timothy 2, 11 to 15, and as I mentioned last time, liberal scholars, they love to quote Paul on the issue of grace. And you know, the Sunday people tell us, we're not under the law, we're under grace. And they like to quote all these texts from Paul, that we're not under the law, we're under grace. To kind of do away with the Sabbath requirement. But when it comes to women's ordination, wow. 
liberal scholars hate Paul because Paul has so many texts that are on the no side of this question. 1 Timothy 2, 11 to 15, Paul says, Let the women, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection. For, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. So there you can see the real issue, usurping authority over the man. Paul says, For Adam was first formed, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. Notwithstanding, she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. And I might mention that the woman was deceived. Adam was not deceived, which is actually a worse sin. His was a willful sin. Nevertheless, Paul makes it clear that because the woman was deceived, God put her into subjection, subordination to her husband. And Paul says here, Let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach, nor to usurp authority over the man, but to be in silence. Now what does this mean? But I suffer not a woman to teach. The word there to usurp authority comes from the Greek word meaning to act of oneself, that is to dominate so to usurp authority means to dominate over. And Paul says, I do not allow a woman to dominate over the man. Here's from Versit's Word Studies in Greek, which says on this particular text, says, Paul therefore says, I do not permit a woman to be a teacher. The context here has to do with church order and the position of the man and woman in the church worship and work. The kind of teacher Paul has in mind is spoken of in Acts 13, 1, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, and 9, and Ephesians 4, verse 11. God called and God equipped teachers recognized by the church as those having authority in the church in matters of doctrine and interpretation. Let me read one of these texts that is cited here in verse its word studies. And that's the one, Ephesians 4, verse 11. You're familiar with this, probably. Where the Bible says, And he, that's God, gave some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and teachers. Now, the and there could easily be omitted, could be left out. So it would simply say, And some pastors, teachers. Apparently that was the same gift. Pastor, teacher, that was the same Gift. In fact, Vincent's word studies actually states this. The omission of the article, and that is, the omission of the article from teachers seems to indicate that pastors and teachers were included under one class. The two belong together. So essentially the text should read, and he gave some pastors teachers. That was a God-given gift or church order and church leadership, the pastor, teacher. And so Paul is simply saying here that he did not allow a woman to teach, that's the pastor, teacher, nor to usurp or to dominate over the man. Now you know that back in 2014, the uh, annual council decided to send this question of ordination to the GC. 
And this was the actual uh, issue that was to be voted on. Here was the vote. After your prayerful study on ordination from the Bible, the writings of Ellen White, and the reports of the study commissions, there were three study commissions. There was the one on the no side, there was the one on the yes side, and there was the one on the neutral side. Uh, how can you stay neutral on these kind of issues? But anyway, they had these three study commissions. And, I'm reading on, and after your careful consideration of what is best for the church and the fulfillment of its mission, is it acceptable for division executive committees, as they may deem it appropriate in their territories, to make provision for the ordination of women to the gospel ministry? Yes or no? That was what was going to be voted on at the GC session 24-2015. And you know that the delegates voted no on the issue of women's ordination. It was almost, well, close to 60% that voted no. I wish it could have been higher. It seems like every time this issue comes, and it's come multiple times to the GC, the number of those that say no, is it gets a little smaller every time. I suppose if they keep pushing this, then maybe eventually they'll get what they want. But you can see why the world church said no. Because really, that's what the Bible itself teaches. The Bible clearly shows that no, women should not usurp authority or take the headship role in a church. Let's read another text from Paul. This is 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 5, where Paul says, This is a true saying, If a man desire the office of a bishop, that's like the pastor or a the church leader, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, not striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, that's money, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? That's 1 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 5. So you can see here, the Bible clearly says, if you want to be a bishop, if you want to be a pastor, that is, then you should be the husband of one wife. As an evangelist, I remember years ago, there was a doctor and his wife that were attending one of my evangelistic meetings. And they came with their son, their boy wanted to be baptized. The pastor, I remember, told me, if we get this one doctor, I'm satisfied if we don't get anybody else. And the doctor, when he came for his sons, the doctor decided not to get baptized, he and his wife, but they wanted their son to be. And he asked a most interesting question to the pastor. And I'll share with you that question next time, because we're out of time. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for what your word teaches. Help us to live in harmony and accordance with your holy word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God be with you until we meet again.